Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsbirth.ie. And together we are Raw Pet Medics. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome, welcome uh, to all of you across the pond in the fair US of A um, as well. Tonight we have a real mix of people. I hope you're all enjoying um, what we can bring to you on epilepsy. Uh, so thanks to Dr. Judy Morgan's page for joining us tonight uh, over in the UK. It is nighttime. I think we should introduce ourselves, actually, because our yeah. wonderful American uh, audience, um, uh, they don't know who we are. So I'm, I'm going to kick off. We are Raw Pet Medics. We've been going, what, two years now? Two years too long, some people say, but two years nonetheless. OK, so my name's Nick Thompson. I'm a vet and I've been doing this thing for over 30 years and still enamoured with the whole thing. I'm working near Bath. Um, I do uh, homeopathy, acupuncture, nutrition, herbal medicine, everything, but really, really going deep on, 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 on nutrition. And it's great to see you all. We've been working with Judy Morgan, who is just a, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. And she's said, bring the message to, to some of her people. Um, Brent. Yeah, uh, so I'm Brendan Clark. I'm a vet also. Uh, I'm younger than him. Okay, so I've been only doing this for 25 years. No, no, I'm joking. Okay, it's nearly 30 years. <laughs> I try. <laughs> uh, so um, I'm a vet first and foremost. I do holistic medicine, so I do a lot of homeopathy, acupuncture, herbal medicine, and we love talking about food. So uh, uh, in the practice, uh, it's great to join these guys to uh, start bringing uh, to everyone out there, all of our inspiration about nutrition and stuff. But that's why we're doing Raw Pet Medic and that's what we're all about. And I hope that you enjoy. If you want to see any of our backlog, we've got uh, over 100 videos now on Raw Pet Medic. So just all you need to do, uh, come like our page, uh, follow our page. You can access through the photos and videos all of the backlog at the moment. So just have a look at that. Also, I'd love it if you would uh, join us on patreon.com forward slash raw pet medic. There you will find lots more information, a little bit on the side that we often do after the show. Um, and if you want to ask questions, etc., cetera, um, it's a really great place for us to sort of interact with you uh, at that point. That's not so live, but it's certainly we will get to answering all the questions that are put up under the video. And there's lots of information we get from tonight that we'll pass on through there. So Connor, um, who is not always where he is tonight, it sounds like he's in a bar because that's what Connor likes, or the place he likes to hang. But really, it's just it's just next door to his 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 house. I think he's got a party on at home, but he's going to tell you more. Go for it, Connor. You've unmuted me. This is uh, so this is unusual for me. This is not my normal seat. I'm sitting <laughs> on a throne. Um, so I'm actually in a hotel tonight because it's my five year old's birthday party, and the house is in absolute chaos. I'll be honest with you. Uh, so I thought maybe I'll just do it down at my mother's house and I go down to my mum's and she's just pottering around just making me tea and it's like no mum I, I need the house to myself you know 
Can you go and sit in your bedroom for an hour? But uh, you can't tell, tell mums that. So I've gone up to the nearby hotel and I thought I had this room to myself, but I have been joined by um, a couple of people having a chat. So sorry about that, guys. My name is Connor Brady. Um, I am the young, energetic, uh, sound one of the gang. And um, you'll find me on dogsfirst.ie. That's where I do all my bits and pieces. Uh, I'm, a, not the, I'm the non-vet of the gang. I have a doctorate studying the effect of nutrition on behavior. Who wants to start us off, guys, and give us a background? What do we talk? What is, a, what is epilepsy? Is it the same as just seizures? Are those two things the same? Help us out, somebody. Oh, Brent, that's, that sounds like it's got your name all over it. Yeah. Is that, is that my, is, <laughs> thanks for that hospital pass. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll kick off after we've got some ba- some basics. I'll, I'll take you through just to give you kind of a a, a picture of, of 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 epilepsy of hmm, neurological problems. She actually had myoclonus, so it's not technically te- technically. But I want to broaden the conversation to, to 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 make it deeper and wider than we would normally think. So um, I'm going to talk to you about Megan shortly, but Bren is going to give you a little bit of background. Yeah. So uh, tonight, look, there's. Thank you for all of you who've put a comment on the um, free show um, poster that we stick up every week. Um, and I love to see those comments. There's lots of information on there. Some of those questions I've already answered. Um, but I would like to first kick off that there are so many things from, um, as we say, differentiating from epilepsy, which often is something that most dogs which suffer from true epilepsy will suffer from between the ages of um, six months and four years for their start point. Okay, so that's the sort of normal age that we look at. However, me and Nick would just employ you not to assume that if your dog has a seizure, that it's automatically just going to be epilepsy. And there are lots of dogs which are put on medications um, straight away when they've had one seizure, and then we see them as a referral and we're unwinding truly what is the cause of their seizure pattern. So epilepsy is one thing that I'll come back to and explain a little bit more about. There are lots of other things which will cause involuntary jerk. We've got dyskinesias, which can often be uh, nerve impairments or, you know, even uh, fibrocartilaginous embolisms which interfere with the normal flow of electricity down the spine uh, and you'll have you know really weird back leg movements where the dogs can almost be throwing themselves around but they are fully conscious at the front end okay um, that's an important differentiation there are um, all sorts of ep- episodes like bite disease in border terriers where they'll get cramping syndromes um, so there's um, episodic collapses, which are faints because their baroreceptors, the pressure sensors within the, the vessels aren't right for boxers, and all of a sudden they'll just collapse faint, okay, and they'll be absolutely still. There'll be no true seizures. They have just fainted. The heart has, you know, suddenly sped up because it doesn't realize that things are, are going there, and their, their pressure will come back, and they'll suddenly regain consciousness uh, without you know, just like a, a what's happened. So just be aware of all of those differentiations between true epilepsy and the, the levels of other idiosyncratic seizure sort of type things, collapses that we see. So it's really important. I'm going to let Nick 
carry on for a second just to go through there for about just going to mm. add in there just because the dog goes over and collapses doesn't mean it's necessarily a a, a neurological a a, a a brain problem yeah because if you've got if you've got significant heart disease you can collapse and have a have a fainting as Bren was saying okay and so you have to differentiate those things just because the dog goes over doesn't mean it's the brain it could be the heart also if you've got advanced liver disease you could be feeling so grotty you could go over and you can get you can get uh, uh, Bits from the toxin due to liver disease, but also and also kidney disease. So we are taught as vets that that there is a syndrome, this kind of collapse, sudden collapse syndrome, and you've got to then pick the wood from the trees. The other thing that I say to my clients is that every if it's it is a true epileptic fit, everybody's allowed one fit, yeah, because sometimes just fits come out of nowhere and never ever repeat. So. I will normally say to people, if they say, my dog's had a fit, I'll say, okay, if it is a true fit, then we may not need to go for the phenobarbitone, the Keppra, the, 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 the heavy uh, pharmaceuticals, it, you know, get the heart checked, get the liver checked, get, you know, these things. And if it is, it could just be a one-off and therefore let's not panic too much. If you've got an increasing frequency or an increasing severity that's when you've got to do something either with pharmaceuticals, with uh, phenobarbitone and such like, or with non-pharmaceuticals. There's a lot at our, our fingertips. And I've got some cases that really bring those, that, 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 that thought to life. Yeah, I, I would absolutely back that. I, I often will say to people, look, when you are using medication, uh, nobody is expecting that to be a zero seizure count. OK, um, they're just trying, trying to reduce the numbers and the severity of seizures. So I will often say that many vets, when I was graduating, would say unless they're having more than two seizures a week, they wouldn't generally treat them. Now, that things have changed a little bit. Um, and that depends on how often, you know, how long that period is going on, because the more severe the seizure, the more likely it is that you're going to have a distinct hypoxic event which will worsen that area of the brain which is seizure. It's like having a little um, firework box with the lid off and somebody's dropping matches all around, just throwing them randomly, or there's sparks coming from the fire. And then all of a sudden, one of those sparks, because it's passed, you know, going down a certain pathway, they've smelled a certain odour, they've seen a certain thing, their behaviour is going in a certain direction, that spark hits the firework box, bang, goes in all directions, all areas of brain are stimulated. So I would definitely say, you know, consider that uh, when you're coming to um, looking at seizures, all of the things. And we do have a specific um, uh, video on what to do in a seizure situation. Connor, you wanted to say you're on. Oh, oh, great. Yeah. I, am <laughs> I am absolutely despising being muted. I am hating it. <laughs> Is this I have what, the power. Is, is this what being polite is like and waiting your turn? Because I am not digging it. It is not suiting me and I'm, I'm uncomfortable. So I'm back. Uh, so what was I going to say? I can't remember. It's just so good to be talking. It's so good <laughs> to be free. To, he just wanted to speak. <laughs> I was going to say, um, okay, just run a, if, if you could give me 30 seconds on my dog's having a seizure, what do I do during it and what do I do immediately after? Okay, I'll just recap that very briefly then for you. I would say, Look, if your dog's having a seizure, do not hold them down, okay? Do not stick your fingers in their mouths to try and clear stuff out of their throat, okay? You will lose fingertips. 
you know, in their, their chomping, they are uncontrollably spasming their muscles. Those muscles on the head, the masses, the muscles are really powerful. Okay. So if they are sick, okay, because often they will be unconscious, they will make lots of noise, which is not because they're in pain, but just they are, you know, tightening all of their vocal cords, all of their chest muscles, all of that, and it's going through spasms, and therefore you'll get uncontrolled noise. They may urinate, they may defecate, they may vomit, um, all of those things. They may salivate excessively. Um, that's if they do produce too much into the mouth, physically move them away from that, okay? Some people will put a coat underneath their neck so that their head's tilting down slightly, try and keep their airway clear. But literally, please don't hold them down. If you are in a park outdoors, attach a lead to their collar at that point so that when they wake up, the first thing that they do on reset is usually go back to basic instincts and they will run or they will bite. Okay because they don't know who you are on that first reset. So just be cautious. They could just be unaware of what's going on. If somebody's holding them inappropriately, they're going to struggle and, and may bite, not because they're purposely doing it. Same thing, if they're out in a park, attach a lead, because if they run, the last thing you want is for them to disappear over a road or off into some other area of danger. Um, so you just want to be safe with that. Um, you may need to dim the lights. If you're indoors, this is easy. You draw the curtains, switch off any excess sound. If you're out in the park, you may take your coat off and put it over their head area. Don't hold it down, but just put it over their head so that they dim the light. You're muffling the sound. Um, but yeah. that's all. You try and reduce stimulation. You're reducing those sparks from risking cycling back and going back into the firework box and setting it all off again. But do talk to them. Do talk to them calmly. Yeah, they need to know you're there. And as soon as they come back out, hear your voice in a calm. Yeah, if you're hysterical, that's probably not going to help. But if you're calm, you can kind of just teach them out of that to a certain extent. So, so calmness is really, really important. You will not be calm for the first dozen bits. No, it's a bit, bit shocking to watch. Yeah. Learn that, you know, there is life after every, every fit. Yeah. And I would say, Something that is really, really good at that point, if you are unsure of what's going on and you've done those initial things that I've just talked about, get your phone out, start videoing. Really, really important. One, it'll tell you how long the seizure actually is because it will seem like forever. Okay. And two, it's really useful for the vet to be able to understand, is this a true seizure? Is this a collapse? Is this... Uh, grand mal episode, which is where everything's going, they're vomiting, they're urinating, they're paddling, you know, tonic-clonic, okay, which is the, the tension and then the relaxation of the legs as they're paddling, um, all of that that's going on with a grand mal seizure. Or is it a petty mal, where actually this is almost they just lose focus. Something's not quite right with their behavior. They may become twitchy, they may lose consciousness, they may collapse, but they don't have all of the other symptoms. So we can look at those differences if you video it. That's good. The video is great. And also if your dog is lame as well, so seizures aside, any real issue where you can, there's a physical uh, symptom, uh, it's always good to get a video, a video of your dog walking down the street if he's lame, so your vet can have an idea of what sort of lameness we're talking about. Much harder on a veterinary table where your dog can't walk a straight line. 
there's some great tips coming in there. Guys, there's going to be a couple of comments coming through the comment section because we've got little control when this goes out to YouTube. We're learning how to do that, so ignore those that comment back there. That, yeah, it's just some idiot. But um, but we uh, there's some great Don't little, see it on uh, Facebook. It's fine. great some questions. There's great um questions coming in here. Uh, a dog's recently been diagnosed with fly catching syndrome. What's that? It's where they look like they're fly catching. I've I've actually treated one of these last year, and um, he did really really well. And basically, I just treated him with an epi- with a non pharmaceutical epilepsy regime, and uh, he did really re- really well. What's that, Nick? The what? The regime? Oh yeah. I'm going to tell you in in a second. I've got a lovely case. Cool, lovely, very good. Um, and so and so your vet needs to be shown this kind of video. And the, the worry for me as the non-vet of the gang is that I bring my um dog to the vet, and not to be a doubting Thomas, but I'm I'm concerned that um more hardcore, more lifelong uh drugs can be given at this point. Uh, if my if that has been going on, I'm sure the vet has made a good and accurate diagnosis at the time. But is this what? Where do we lie with with this? You can't doubt any. Bet, but there is a concern that medication is often the first thing that's reached for. Is that a fair thing to say or is that unfair? I think if they go into um, a status epilepticus, which is where they don't stop seizuring because that firework box keeps getting lit up, okay? And you go to your vet and your dog is seizuring. And somebody's made a comment about that, that they've just had that this weekend. Um, and, you know, certainly then. They may need to have intravenous drugs given to keep them in a stabilized state where everything calms down, effectively smothering the firework box until everything stops, and then they can bring them round again. Now, that's an exception. I think if your dog has a seizure, it's important to look at a number of metabolic diseases. So, you know, is there problems with the liver? Is there a problem with the kidneys? You know, is there something else going on with our hormones that may be leading to this? Um, and their electrolyte balance. Um, there's uh, so, so, you know, having a conversation with your vet, not just saying they've had a seizure, oh my God, I need medication, or the yeah. vet saying, oh my God, you need medication, I've only got five minutes to speak to you, is actually yeah. to have a conversation and say that my dog's had a seizure, this is what's gone on. What do you think, and what do you think the differential possibilities are? And Nick's going to talk a little bit about some differentials that are out there. What about um? There was a, a big um announcement there the last couple of years where they're adding on more and more side effects to some of the less favorable flea and worm treatments that are out there. Is there side effects that might induce a temporary kind of fitting state in your dog? And the concern then is that your dog is put on seizure medication when actually it's a side effect, and you'd hope that that wouldn't actually happen again and again. You'd expect it to happen less. What's the what's the thoughts there? Two things that I would say there, and many of you who are following us today will not be on these medications because the reason you're here is because you want to avoid them. But if you've got friends and family that are using them, to think about one, look at the MDR1 gene predisposition, which is effectively their ability to detox the brain from those chemicals. If they have that deficiency, they need, effectively, it's a a specific glycoprotein pump uh, and if they have that deficiency within that, they can't efficiently pump the drug back out of the brain. How do you check so for that? Can end up. So it's a simple swab inside the mouth. You send it away to a company like Lavaclin, um, and they will just genetically test them for that. Ooh, um, how much? How much is that? And about if any, 50, yeah. 50 UK pounds. So I guess that's going to be probably about fifty euros these days, and probably okay. about fifty dollars, uh, just because a pound is so useless. Yeah, uh, but yeah. that's. <laughs> 
And so, and so, would you? It, 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 that sounds like pretty sensible information for somebody that believes they need uh, constant flea and uh, flea treatments for their dogs with no fleas. Uh, should you should you always swab dogs to check if they can take them? I would personally, but there's one other thing that people don't realise. There is another drug out there on the market which actually interferes with the same pump. And so, for dogs with skin disease, okay. Um, especially if there's an immune suppressant, which is cyclosporin being used, that cyclosporin actually also downregulates that pump. So if you then use one of these flea products alongside it, you will actually get the same risk of side effects okay, that those dogs with a genetic fault have. So do watch out for that. So those are two points I was going to say on that flea uh, and tick treatment regime so like like guys we've got let's get to some treatments uh, we've got we we know of a more conventional route but nick you said you've got a couple of case studies run us through what a vet does i've got one and surprise surprise it's because of a uh, flea and tick product there's there's a product over here um americans called simparica i'm not sure if you have it over there but if you do a google on simparica s-i-m-p-r-a c-i-a simparica yeah it, you'll be able to find out if there's an American equivalent. And uh, I was presented with this lovely, lovely dog. He's called Muddy Paws, which is, has to be one of the best dog names ever. You know, Dud Dudley would, I'm sure, enjoy being called Muddy Paws. <laughs> anyway, um, so he he so he was he was presented to the vets uh, with fits, and they put him on phenobarbitone. He did fine with phenobarbitone, but he's still having fits every two or three months. And so they came to me and said, is there anything you can do? We don't want to just give more and more and more pharmaceuticals. And so well, I looked through the history very, very carefully. And lo and behold, he started with his fits within about a month of starting for the first time with Simparica. He had a, an, an idiosyncratic reaction to this drug. Now, uh, obviously, they didn't use this drug ever again. But the fits persisted you know and this he, i saw him maybe a year down the line from when he first had the simparica therefore conventionally what can you do it's like well it's in his system that's it what what can we do let's just you know um give him more drugs but what we can do using homeopathics we can use simparica which has been made into a homeopathic uh, potency and give it back to the dog, Ooh. it's a little bit like hair of the dog, back to the dog. This is really, really powerful. And this is really basic homeopathy. This is this is primary school That's homeopathy. Nuts. And so I made up a potency of Simparica for this guy. And within three months, the fits stopped. We, 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 improved no. his, we improved his diet and we did, you know, little bits and pieces, maybe a bit of MCT, maybe a little bit of CBD. But the main thing was the remedy. If they didn't give the remedy, then they may get fits back again. So that's incredible. It's, it's not guaranteed, but it's cheap, no. it's easy, and totally non toxic. So if you've got, you know, never well since a certain drug, and let's face it, there are a lot of those those cases around, then definitely talk to your homeopathic vet to think about whether they can use that as a oh, as a homeopathic remedy. Great. That's fantastic, guys. That, that's interesting. Give us another case study there, Nick. What else have you got? Okay, so here's another, here's another 
another case which is really very interesting. So this is a, a lovely, lovely dog called Kalu, who I treated for years and years and years. And he was having fits and the owners were quite distressed with the fits. They didn't want to go on phenobarbitone. Um, and he wasn't having fits very frequently, maybe only every three or four months. And then as a homeopath, we looked at why, when he was having fits. And you know what? He was having fits when he got itchy. That stimulation was too much for him and it pushed him over into over his, his, his fit threshold. And he had a fit if he got itchy enough. So all we did was treat his itch and he never had a fit again. Okay. Wow. Now I am pulling out the black and white cases, and most 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 of the cases that I deal with are not as you know, mm. we gave a gave a, a remedy and never had a fit again. Um, yeah. however, it shows the possibility of these things. Okay, yeah. you've got to work with your vet, but also consider a homeopathic, a holistic vet. Who might be able to do things that the, the the conventional guys are not able? It's all about teamwork. We've got to work together. Me think. If you focus on reducing inflammation in the dog with all the usuals, uh, reducing stress, good quality food, anything, fish oil, whatever is your fire extinguisher, would that help? The, all these things do seem to come into the whole approach to epilepsy, seizures, mm. control. They're all the usuals. They all seem to be anti-inflammatory. Uh, is that it? Is that like trying to increase your threshold? Is is that it? Totally. Bren, you were just talking about this earlier. Do you want to uh, take up? Yeah, that so one? somebody asked on the, the three questions just about, you know, flavonoids and our, you know, understanding of things like quercetin. Connor, you love quercetin, uh, you know, and so why uh, they can be so useful in seizure cases. And, you know, we, we sort of concentrated a little bit on the seizures, which can be related to, um, inflammation either because of drug toxicity either because and, and there's uh, pesticides things like um herbicides like glyphosate you know somebody's just mentioned that you know uh, uh their dog started to have seizures following you know being next door to crop fields and quite a lot of them will be sprayed off for cropping with glyphosate um there's inflammatory diseases like um neospora um toxoplasma um you know even lyme's disease which can all have effects cause lesions within the brain lead to inflammation um there's even you know cases where upset gut flora can lead to seizure stuff because of inflammation elsewhere in the body so i would say where there's really successful and this is what needs to be looked at is definitely use some of those they can have brilliant effects um, to reduce inflammation uh, throughout the body and that can make sure that there are improvements as far as the seizure activity. Um, I would like to bring in some cases for true epilepsy where we've ruled out through MRIs any other lesions of growth or you know any other inflammatory areas. We've ruled out through blood that their organs are fine and everything else. And I would certainly say, look, one of the best ones that I've used for stopping seizures in their tracks is rather than trying to find constitution and belladonna can be really useful in some cases stramonium things like that i would definitely say proteus which sort of overlies a lot of those as a bowel nose can be really useful um, in halting seizures so if you see the pre behavior a spray onto their gum if you see them actually start to have a seizure often they've got the lips drawn back you don't need to touch them by spraying at them into liquid form the spray onto the 
um, it's absorbed through the mucous membrane that can halt the seizure. You can repeat it every 15 to 30 seconds of six doses and have amazing effects. But often I will find the cases stop after the first spray. Um, now, nice. some people would say, well, I've tried ice cream. I see. I've just used ice cream and that stops them. Um, uh, and you're right. You know, if you change their mindset and predictable behavior, I've also seen some cases that, but it's less predictable. Um, and that's Tell us what, what the Proteus is, just so that people can, can find it in but the States or over here. a um, homeopathic bowel nosode. So it's effectively... Um, Back in the 1920s, the Pattersons uh, did a lot of work, and Connor wasn't aware of this, but he's looked at some more recent work on how your bowel flora can change in certain directions in response to disease. Okay, and they were doing studies on this, and they looked at effectively um, the certain types of disease, and they cultured the gut flora of those patients. What they then did is made remedies from those gut flora, okay, in potency, so they were giving the actual bacteria back. And they actually then saw the resolution of those diseases. And they did the same for looking at constitutions in homeopathy. And they realized that there was a crossover in constitutional makeup and those balnozos. So they often cover, like miasmatically, a number of different remedy types. Linda says, please, can you spell it? Proteus is P-R-O-T-E-U-S. What about MCT oil, Brent? I saw you holding up MCT oil. It's a nice little Yeah, yeah so somebody it. asked about using, you know, an MCT oil, and, and this has studies. I think, you, is that the Frontiers one? That that's the one, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, nice study on dogs. So that, that's a study in dogs. Uh, so this, this actually um, was back in 2015, something like that. I think the RVC did a lot of work on uh, ketones and ketogenesis uh, to reduce seizures within um, uh, dogs. And I think on the back of that, a lot of people have looked at this because it you know, effectively promotes ketogenesis. Um, and effectively, if you're trying to lose weight and you know, reduce your insulin resistance and doing all sorts of things like that, then using that. But the brain can use ketones as an energy source. And actually, they found that brains that were using um, glucose as an energy source actually were far more unstable, I believe, with the electrolytes and more prone to going into seizure activity. And this was actually, I think, ketogenesis has been used for decades in children. In kids, yeah, it has. To reduce seizures. Yeah. And so it sort of makes sense. And guys, you know, if you want to reduce your medications that your dogs are on, you know, certainly getting them not just using MCT, but look at ketogenesis. We often talk about Peter Pet Sanctuary. They've got lots of help on there to you know, help look at ketogenesis. There's lots of books out there now that talk about how to balance uh, the level of carbs. So it's not just about feeding raw. It's not just um, about reducing carbs. It's also about balancing protein versus fat for your calories. Um, there's a few things out there. We can convert protein into glucose um, in our systems. So you've got to make sure that the fat calories are appropriate as well. Okay. I, I've got a case. Um, uh, Brent, would you be able to put up the picture of uh, Megan there just in our last few minutes? Um, so th this is Megan, beautiful girl, lovely little Jack Russell Terrier. She was having myoclonus. OK, so she went through a strange kind of gut orientated problem and 
because we know that the gut and the brain are massively linked, we uh, she was having myoclonus, which is kind of like a mini seizure, and she was having up to forty of these per day. Can you believe it? Okay, and this is Sally, her her owner, is just you know wonderful and 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 very um, uh, keen to get on top of things and very 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 driven, and it's great working with her. And so we 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 um, uh, made sure her diet was optimized. It was a raw food diet. Uh, we put her on MCT oil, and that was part of it as well. We used some herbs, but one of the key things we used homeopathics. We used um, uh, three key homeopathic remedies: uh, Secuta and Cocculus and Ignatia. I think it was. Um, she's got a big long history, so I'm just uh, giving you this from from uh, from memory. And she went down to zero or one we took off the uh, we changed the remedy and she started to have more of these myoclonus events and so we went back on to her original remedy and they came down again and i think this is a really really fantastic demonstration of the power of homeopathics in 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 these neurological um in these neurological cases that's it the other thing i just wanted to say um literally in the last couple of minutes was if you've got a dog with epilepsy make sure you have ruled out hypothyroidism just have a have a read of this book because uh fits can be the first early 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 sign of hypothyroidism so this is a book by gene dodds wonderful book what does it say gene dodds dr gene dodds the canine thyroid epidemic you can get it on amazon and kindle and goodness knows where Please, if you've got an epileptic dog, you've got to read this book. Yeah, that's good. A few other little tiny bits that, that we haven't mentioned, but uh, there's a story should we do, there. Should we do them next door uh, on the side? Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, we haven't told our American friends, though. Yeah, loads of information. Uh, yeah. We've got, yeah. you will hear some of this on our podcast. You will see our um, podcasts are published now on Spotify, Amazon, uh, Audible. Everywhere. Um, Pretty much anywhere you can think that a podcast would be published, Pete's yeah. on it to make sure that we're published there. So thanks, Pete. And, you know, if you want to find out some more information about a month down the line, you'll hear the Audible podcast uh, produced. Uh, and so keep an eye out for that. Um, for all of our Patreon guys, look, there's going to be some extra thank bits you. on the side. OK, and, you know, thank you for that. If you want to join us on Patreon, um, you literally go to patreon.com forward slash raw pet medic and you will find us there. Um, we put a little extra video on every week just to uh, help you guys understand a bit more in depth. Which is so we're just going to tack on an extra 10 minutes over in the Patreon people so that the Patreon people feel a bit special. Yeah, and we think we think they very much are. They are so very special. That's what we're going to we're going to we're going to disappear over there. We're going to give it an extra an extra little turbo charge for our Patreon people. And we'll see you there. Good evening, and, America. Yeah, and thank you to Dr. Judy Morgan for entertaining uh, us being on her page. <laughs> um, and uh, hopefully she allows us back on. Um, yeah, just an up, upcoming broadcast, just very quickly. Uh, we've got Feline Friday this Friday. So if you want to join us on Best Start for Kittens, uh, we're going to nice. be talking with Julianne and Amaya. And, and going through that. So if you're into cats and you want to know a bit more about cats, then please put your questions on the post 
for that and join us back here. Um, at, that will be 1 p.m. Uh, GMT. That works out at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Fair play, okay. fair play, Bren. Right. You 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 put out an awful lot of free content, Bren. You put like I mean <laughs> yeah, Nick as well, well. Obviously, Nick, you've been doing it for years. But like you guys seriously put in a serious amount of work. What other vets are online putting out content all the time for nothing? You know, bloody hell, lads. Fair play, fair play. So that's a thank you, a Resource. Bridget says, "How do we find you?" Basically, Bridget, you go to Patreon and you just do a search on Raw Pet Medic. Yeah. Boom. And uh, uh, Caroline Ingram is is coming, guys, in a couple of weeks Ooh. or three, three, two, three, four weeks, whenever we can fit her in there. So Zoo Pharmacology, we want to see a bit of the science behind what goes on with Zoo Pharmacology. We know it worked. We can see the YouTube videos, but I want to know a bit more. I want to see it in other animals and whatnot. So uh, getting a juicy little podcast from Caroline Ingram coming up. So that's going to be exciting because Zoo Pharmacology was mentioned for a lot of people suffering these issues we we're speaking about tonight. So uh, very good. Yeah. OK, guys, we'll see you over on Patreon in a couple of minutes. Brilliant. Right. Take care. <laughs>